why politics is like an orchestra, building a consensus, and looking for the next MLK or George Washington. Irish man stands with America. This is Freedom's Disciple with Jonathan Dunn on the Blaze Radio Network. Hello, America. Thank you so much for tuning in today. This, of course, is the show where you come for the accent and you stay for the principles. In today's show, I want to just have a ton conversation with you. Because I hear what you guys are saying. I've spent a lot of time, I've been off work with, because of COVID restrictions in Ireland, so I've had a bit more, um, you know, free time, shall we say, over the last couple of weeks, and I've been spending that time engaging with you and just talking to you, and I always spend as much time as I can, but listening to you, and just saying, what's going on, what are you feeling, and regardless of your political uh, affiliation, because I have friends on all sides of the aisle, there's a common theme that runs through how y'all are feeling. A lot of you are hurt. A lot of you are angry, fed up, frustrated, annoyed. You're worried for the future. You're worried about your kids not going to school. You're worried about jobs. You're worried about your paycheck. And overall, you're just worried for the future. And when I talked, when I've been talking to you over the last couple of weeks, a lot of you express those emotions. But then when I start talking to you about the future, there's this gap. There's this, we don't know what to do. And a lot of people, again, on both sides of the aisle, have this complaint about society right now where they're looking for the great leader. Depending on who you are, you'll say different things like, you know, where's the Pope? A lot of my Catholic friends are, you know, kind of, you know, disillusioned with this Pope and kind of go, oh my God, we need a new Pope. We need a better one. Um, we need, you know, you know, a bit more voice. You know, they see the church, their church is closed and they're very frustrated with their, you know, their local pastors and leaderships. A lot of people are like, you know what? We need a historical figure. Where's the next Churchill? Where's the next Gandhi? Where's the next MLK? Where's the next George Washington? And different people express, you know, a hope for a different visionary figure, whatever they want. Some of my Christian friends are like, hey, time for Jesus. Let's Jesus come back and let's just end this charade because I've had enough. And okay, fair enough. That's your feelings. Great. But I don't agree with you. I don't, I don't share those sentiments. I love Jesus, but you know, he can come back another time. And I want to talk to you today about some of the things that I've been speaking to you about for the last couple of weeks. But I want to start today by giving you an analogy for what I think is the prime problem in society right now. And this is especially apt for Americans. I want you to think of an orchestra. For you, those of you who are not, you know, maybe classically into classic, you know, music and, you know, all that, you know, nice music and a fair bit of rock. Let me just picture, give you a picture of something. Imagine a stage. And there's four main groups in an orchestra. There's the string section. You've got all your violins and all your, you know, your different strings. You have your woodwind section. You have your brass section, which is the boom and the drums. Or, sorry, that's the percussion, sorry. So you've got your strings, your woodwinds, your brass, your percussions. All different sections of the orchestra. Then at different times, you know, depending on the song, depending on the, you know, the mood, you might have different additional, like a piano or a harp or a saxophone. But all the things in an orchestra, and I've been seeing, I've seen a lot of orchestras perform. There's always one person I never understood their job because I always thought it was totally irrelevant. It was the conductor. 
if you've never been to an orchestra, you know what a conductor is. You know, he's all these hands. Oh, yes, you and you and you. And, and then he has this little, you know, pointy thing. He thinks he's Gandalf, you know, with his staff, you know. And you go do this and you go do this and at different things. And, you know, some of the, the great conductors, quote unquote, and I apologize if I'm offending anyone right now. But, you know, they get very, well, the hands are all waving and, you know, they turn around. And it's kind of like if, you know, for those who've never seen a conductor, let me paint you a picture. Did you ever watch Sister Act? Remember Whoopi Goldberg on the altar where she's going, yeah. She's doing all the hands. Think that, you know, some of those conductors get kind of like that. And everyone's like, oh, the conductor's great. The conductor's great. Oh, my God, how amazing was he? All the conductor has done is, like, point, read the music and point. Okay, it's now the string time. It's now the percussion. And the more animated they get, you know, the more emotion is supposed to be in the music. The reason I've always thought this is a position that's over, overly important, shall we say, is because if you take that conductor away, does the performance change? Now, I'm sure there are people who would say, absolutely, it changes because, you know, they motivate you. They, they, they train you. Okay. It, behind the scenes, their job is pretty critical, you know, when they're training and they're practicing. But on the actual performance, does it change? Does it make any difference? Does it do anything? I don't think it does. And I'll tell you why. Because at the end of the day, if you read music and you're at a performance, when you're actually performing in an orchestra, you have the music there in front of you. You just follow along. And you know your section. You might be playing the whole way through the piece. Sometimes really, you know, really loudly and really part, key part. And other times just strumming it in the background, just nice and soft. But you have the music. And you know exactly when you have to come in. Because if you are in an orchestra, you presumably can read music. You can read the sheets. You see it. The reason I share this analogy with you is because I think this is the problem in society right now. Everyone is looking for the next great conductor. Everyone is focused in on, well, my conductor has to be Donald Trump. My conductor has to be Joe Biden. My conductor has to be fill in the blank. And as you start getting to it in 2024, you're going to start seeing my conductor, the next conductor of America has to be Nikki Haiti, has to be Ted Cruz has to be Christine Numb. I don't think the problem is with the conductor in America right now. I think the problem in America is rather different. I think the problem is, is we're not reading off the same sheets. It doesn't matter what conductor is there. If we're all, if we're all doing, singing off different hymn sheets, that you can have the greatest conductor in the world and pointing and, and, you know, the best trainer. Guess what? If, we're, if our sheet music is different, if yours is different to mine, and then ours is different to someone else's, what, do, what difference does it make? If I may quote Hillary Clinton. What difference does it make? We're not singing off the same hymn sheet. Now in America, what is the hymn sheet? What is that sheet music that we should be talking about? The Declaration of Independence? The Constitution? The Bill of Rights? Do we even talk about this? Or do we all want to focus in on who the next great conductor is? You have a choice right now. You have many choices. You always have choices. What do you want to start building towards the 2024? I, I'm phrasing this in the terms of elections because that's, that's just what everyone does. But what do you want to build over the next year, two years? If we don't stop focusing in on the next conductor in 2024... And who your favorite is and who, who you think is going to save the Constitution. Who you think is going to be your fighter. That's a conversation y'all can have down the road. There's no rush in that conversation. But how about we have the conversation about the sheet music? What piece of music is America going to play going forward? What's your role going to be? Because that role is still to be decided. Are you just going to be the, the, the piano which you get wheels in for one song a night? That's an absolutely key role, because for that song, if you don't have the piano, you know, the song isn't the same. Or are you going to be the person who's always there? Who's always part of it, you know, the violin. Is always there strumming that piece of, you know, for the music. Is always strumming the, it might be sometimes more intense, and sometimes it might be nice and quiet, just in the background. But you're always there, because you're always singing off the same hymn sheet. What does America want to be? What do you want America to be? 
I can't tell. I can't answer that question. I'm not an American. But I think it's absolutely critical that you start looking inward and kind of going, what vision do I want to build for America? And am I building it? Because right now, everyone wants to talk about the conductor. And Joe Biden, whether he's a good conductor or whether he's a bad conductor, or how horrifically bad, or he even shouldn't be the conductor in the first place. You can continue that debate. But what I would ask you to think on is all the debates that you're having right now, are they meaningful? Are they going to get you anywhere? Are they going to achieve anything? What's your ideal outcome? Like when you have a conversation about your politics right now, is it actually going to change matters? Or should you change it and start thinking about, well, let's talk about the sheet music. Let's not worry about the conductors. Let's not worry about the orchestra and who's playing it. This piece of music, should we agree to play this piece of music? Is this the piece of music we can all unite on? Then we can argue later about who actually plays the music and argue who's going to be the conductor. But should we actually change the focus of the debate? Something to think about. absolutely critical that we spend a bit of time talking about the piece of music we're going to play because I'd like you to look around at your world right now look around at your local government look around at where the state you live in how happy are you with the performance how happy are you with the state of your nation's politics see the problem that I have and the frustration I have right now is because I see what's coming I am very, I share your frustration just because I don't share it every, you know, in every show. The reason I don't share it in every show where I see, you know, where a lot of people are angry and pissed off is because I don't think you need me coming on saying how angry and pissed off I am. Because if you're angry and and then you listen to me and you see me angry, guess what's going to happen? You're going to get angrier and angrier. And is that a good cycle to be in? So I know a lot of people criticize me kind of going, why why do you never seem to share my anger and frustration? It's because I try, I'm trying to do something different. I do feel it. I feel your pain. I really am legitimately worried for the future. I'm seeing what's going on. Look at all these restrictions. I see what's going on in my country and I'm like, I'm, I'm not, I'm not going to lie. I'm really depressed right now. I'm really upset and I'm really frustrated because of everything that's going on. I cannot tell you how much I miss the gym. You know, I, I was sick last year. You know, if you followed me for a long time, you saw I was training really hard last year. I was lifting a lot of weight. I was I was seriously getting ready for competitions and going to perform really well. And I was really confident. Then I got sick. I had to stop training because I was very sick and had to isolate. And then when I got returned to say, you can go train now. Then the gyms are closed because of COVID restrictions. So I haven't been in a gym since late October. And I'm really annoyed about that. And it's really frustrating me. And I'm seeing all these restrictions in place where now it'll be at least the 5th of March before I can get back training. But I spoke to my coach this week and he said, realistically, it ain't happening before April. That'll be six months out of the gym. This is doing my head in. But I'm looking at the restrictions in my country where this week we can only do what the government says is essential, quote unquote. The government says it's essential and you can do it. If you can't, if it doesn't, you can't. We can only go shopping for like groceries or things that, you know, are deemed essential. You can't just go to a supermarket and or, a, you know, a mall and just see, go to loads of shops and do window shopping. Can't do that. Can't go more than five, three miles from your house, five kilometers. But this week they've changed it because some people were going away overseas on holidays for Christmas, which most people do. They go to, you know, get some winter sun because Ireland isn't exactly a warm climate. They have now decided that traveling is not essential. They literally have police at our airport. And if you decide to go to the airport, you'll be turned back by the police and you'll be given a fine of 500 euros, which is about $600. So I'm trapped in this country. If I decided tomorrow I want to leave, I want out of here, I can't leave. This is not exactly doing good for my psyche. It's really frustrating. But also because of, you know, I'm supposed to be in America right now. I'm supposed to be in the starting a big speaking tour. 
was supposed to start like two weeks ago. I had to cancel it. It's not exactly helping. And I'm looking at all these rumors because I'm talking to people kind of going, hey, is this going to get let loosened up? Is, you know, is there a chance I'm getting there this year? And I've had a few people tell me over the last couple of weeks, it ain't happening before 2022. And it kills me. So I get your frustration. I get your anger. I'm really upset about all of this. But the thing is, what happens when you get upset? As a depressive and someone who has suicidal thoughts, I can tell you it never ends well if you keep getting going down this cycle and cycle and cycle and cycle. It won't end well. So we need to think of focus. We need to start building something. But what I would say to you is, everyone wants to focus in on the politics, you know, whether it's Donald Trump or Joe Biden or this this guy Cuomo, which is just an unbelievable... I love New York. How Cuomo ever got elected is just beyond me. But everyone wants to focus in on the conductor. Let's focus in on the people, the players of the orchestra. How many people do you know in your circle that right now have said or thought some of the following? The government didn't do enough. The government didn't do enough. I see this debate over here in Ireland all the time. A amount of people who go, oh, the government didn't do enough. Didn't respond well. Okay. Maybe you can have a criticism of it. It didn't respond well. It didn't respond quick enough. It didn't do the right things which it was supposed to do but it didn't do enough. You, what more would you want a government to do? It's literally telling you what you can and can't do. You're literally seeing some of the most asinine, stupid rules where California now has started to open up. And you're, oh, no, you can open up and you can have a certain percentage. I think it's 25%. But no TVs. No. No, because COVID sees the TVs because of science, man. Science. A TV on, COVID will come. TV's off, COVID's like, oh, I can't go in there, no TV on. This is literally what we're dealing with. I see the frustration, and it's starting to bubble over in England in certain corners, where they're changing the goalposts. But they said, you know what, we can't open up until we have all the over 70s vaccinated. Over 70s vaccinated, then we can start opening up. This week, they've changed the goalposts. It's now to over 50. I can see the frustration bubbling over. I can see the anger. But what do we want to do? How do we respond? Well, how do you change things? Look at the big mass movements, the massive changes in society. How have they happened? One of the things that's frustrating to me as I watch your rhetoric is you're doing the exact opposite to what I think you need to do. And I'm saying this more to the politicians and the media. If you look at any of the great movements, MLK, Gandhi, your revolution, different movements around the world, what do they all try and do? It starts with something, you know, can be something big or something small. And they say, this, I've just had it. I can't do this anymore. We have to change. Whether you like the change or hate the change, but that's what happens. They get frustrated. And then what do they start doing? They start talking to other people. They start going, hey, are you happy? No, I'm not happy. Well, why don't we do something? And then you start, it becomes two, it becomes four, it becomes 10, it becomes 20, it becomes 100, it becomes 200. What are they all trying to do? Build a consensus. Build a platform. They may hate each other, they may like each other, they may love each other. They may be best friends or best of enemies, but they have some consensus of what they're trying to build. Look around at your culture right now, and especially the people in the media. Look at what they are saying. Is it trying to build a consensus? Like, can you feel the unity, guys? I, I, I can't. I, you, know, I, you know, I'm going to be the most uniting president. Do you feel the unity? But look at what's happening in the media on all sides. Look at what people are saying. I want to give you a couple of examples. And ask you, is this, is this a good thing or a bad thing? Because what you're starting to see is everyone just hate everyone. If someone's different, you hate them. And if you don't hate the person, even if they're despicable, and you defend their rights, oh, what are you, one of those people? Everything is viewed through the presence of sides. This week, I'm going to give you some quotes that happened this week. Let's start with one of my favorite people in the world, because she's just so swell. Elizabeth Warren. Last week we discussed the GameStop situation. I tried to break it down in the most calm, logical way, because I know a lot of people are not familiar with the stock market. They're not, you know, they're, they have some stocks in the stock market, but they've got a broker to deal with all that. And they weren't sure. So I saw a lot of, you know, people wondering what was going on. So I broke it down for you the best I could. What did Elizabeth Warren say about the people who are doing, you know, on that Reddit post? A flash mob with money. 
a flash mob, huh? You've put people out of work. You've given them a measly 600 bucks. So they're now bored and they're a flash mob with money. money. Really? That's how you want to see people? That's how you want to see that situation? Whether you agree with it or not, is that is that really how the rhetoric you want to go with? Next story. This lady from Georgia. What's her? Taylor Green, whatever her name is. I, I'm not a big political person, so I'd never heard of her until recently. And I've read some stuff that she said. I'm not a, I'm not really a fan. Me and her are not going to... We're not going to sit down and kind of go, Hey, we're going to have a lot of things in common. But Mitch McConnell came out and went... Well, it was great to see Mitch McConnell actually talk. Because, you know, hell knows he's been silent for a long time. But she called her a cancer. Really? Really? That's the word you want to use. What like what is the worst what what insult can you think of someone that's worse than calling you a cancer that kills millions of people around the world every year? You're literally equating someone who maybe let's let's just say I'm not I don't know enough about her. I I disagree with some of the stuff I've read. Let's say she is crazy. Like legitimately a loon. Like literally like cuckoo, cuckoo, right? That's how just say she's wrong. She's fundamentally flawed. I disagree with everything she says. I don't agree with her. She doesn't have a platform. But a cancer? What part of this world do you want to... Is that good? Next one. My friends in the media. AOC. You had you tried to have me killed. Ted Cruz. You, you tried to have me killed. Really? And you have you seen what's come out ever since? You know, you weren't actually there. But no, you tried to have me killed. <laughs> but look at how the media are talking constantly about Trump supporters. Oh, you're terrorists. MAGA terrorists. I saw a clip, you know, they, they do all these clips on, online. MAGA terrorists, MAGA terrorists, MAGA terrorists, MAGA terrorists. They're trying to get you. Are they trying to build a consensus? Or are they trying to pit everyone against each other? The question you have to understand right now is... There are agitators out there. And what they're going to keep doing to you is they're going to keep poking you. And it's annoying as hell. They're just poking you. And what they're hoping to do, because the left do this really well, is they do the victim really well. They keep poking you. And then eventually you go, stop us! <laughs> I'm afraid for my life. He's so violent. Oh my god. He, he raised his voice and he raised his hand. That's what they want you to do. Look at the great movements that happened in your country. I want to remind you today of one great movement. Because it's absolutely critical we learn from the past. So we can either change what didn't work or follow what did work. Martin Luther King. Martin Luther King. If ever there was a set of people who had a right to be angry, it was the black people. You read the history of what they had to overcome. You read the history of how they were treated. You read the history of, of some of the stuff they had to go through. It's some of the most barbaric and brutal in history. And then you get to the Civil War. And then you fight the Civil War and then slavery is ended. And everyone might think, yay, it's over. And then a hundred years later, you're still debating it. How frustrating would that be? You're worried about the next four years. You're worried about Joe Biden, and rightfully so. I'm not saying you shouldn't be. But how do you think he would have felt? They were like 80, 90, 100 years ago, the, we, the Civil War, y'all fought this. It's still not, you know, slavery mightn't be around, but, you know, you know, look at how we're treated in society. Look at what he did. He had every right to be angry. He had every right to be angry about the, the federal government. There, he was a man who was told, for his own protection, he can't have the Second Amendment rights that bear arms. For his own protection. That was the reason the FBI gave him. He had every reason to be angry. He's walked into some of these towns knowing in advance of the speech that there's going to be people there listening to me talk that are not going to like me. They're not going to see me as, as equal. They're going to see me as subhuman. But he went anyway. Why? Because he was trying to build a consensus. Because he understood... He understood that we need to get off the same song sheet. We need to not argue about the conductor. We need to argue about the song, the song sheet. What song are we going to play? And fundamentally, his song constantly, if you read his speeches, 
was we're the same. Let's not judge a man by the color of his skin, but by the content of their character. That is a unifying thing that we can agree on. But he was in there to try and build a consensus. He was there trying to say, hey, I'm just like you. Yeah, I'm white, you're black. I'm I'm the exact same. I may be bigger, I may be smaller. I may be more round, you may be more swell, whatever it is. But we're all the same. We all have the same worries. Let's not discriminate against these things. And he was making the case. And it worked. Because there's the one stat that the media will never tell you. And that stat is 25%. What does that stat mean? What does that represent? What does 25% represent when it comes to Martin Luther King? You know the, the famous speech that everyone knows? There's two things everyone knows about MLK. They might know nothing else. He walked across some bridge and where was it? Selma or somewhere else. They'll know that. They might even have seen the picture of him linking arms in arms. And they'll know this quote. I have a dream. Well, you know that speech, that I have a dream speech? That's what it's called. Everyone knows that word. They don't know anything else. But I, he had a dream. Martin Luther King. Yeah, he was a dreamer. Had a dream. What was the dream? I haven't got a clue. But yeah, we all know it. That speech he gave on, in Washington on the mall, 25% of people who had turned up that day were white. Now, just think about it. I see people worried about social media today. Oh, you know, fascist book is shutting me down. You have amazing power, whether you like it or not. Back in the day, Martin Luther King didn't have social media. He didn't have cell phones. He didn't have countless apps like Telegram. He had none of this. He had no emails. But he built a movement that inspired so many people by word of mouth, because the message was so powerful and delivered in such a way as of an aspirational way, not looking back, not going, hey, gotcha, not saying you're the problem, but building a way and a vision for the future. Despite having no social media and no phones and no cell phones and no emails, got a lot of people up to turn up to that mall that day. And 25% of them were white. Now think about it. Why would 25% of white people show up to Washington, D.C. to listen to a black pastor speak about civil rights that they already had? Why did that happen? Because he understood that you need to build a consensus. But fundamentally, what he always spoke about was he spoke about the song sheet. We need to get on the same song sheet. We need to start building this future. Do you want to start building your future? Do you want to start building a consensus? Because here's the thing. If you do, you need to start looking at everything the media is saying and understanding that all they're looking for is that reaction and then tone it back. But also look at what your words are saying. What arguments are you making right now to fundamentally change it? Because here's where I want to talk to just Republicans. I don't get political. But this is just for the Republicans. Democrats, you know, you can listen, but you know, we gotta we gotta have a talk. I want you to be honest with yourself. If you're fundamentally honest right now, you have to understand something. That the vast majority of time in a presidential election, for the foreseeable future, maybe 20 years or 30 years, the chances of you winning the popular vote are very slim. In fact, if if you win the popular vote in the next 20 years, it'll be because of something major happened. You can blame for many different reasons for that. But that's the fundamental facts that you have right now. Of all the people who need to build a consensus, it's you. The left need to do it as well. But you need to do it because of the, the, the demographics in your country. Because of the, you know, the difference between the city and the urban. You need to do that. You need to build that, that coalition. How are you going to do that? Because I see a lot of people with these great memes. And they're, yeah, they're funny. But are they going to change anyone's minds about how, you know, I told you this is what Biden was going to do. Oh, Biden's killed all these jobs. It's all about Joe Biden. And his policies are horrific. I'm not saying they aren't. You know, getting rid of the Keystone Pipeline is, it's nothing to do with science. It's all politics. It's not even rooted in, you know, even if you believe in climate change, there's no reason to get rid of the Keystone Pipeline. It's actually more environmentally friendly. You keep it. So there's no science. But how do you build it? Do you want to make everything about Joe Biden? That it's all, well, it's just him. Because guess what's going to happen? Are you going to listen? 
Do you think the people who have voted for Joe Biden are in the mood to listen to you right now? They're in about the same mood to listen to you right now as you were anytime anybody said anything bad about Donald Trump. Because you're all about the conductor. He's my conductor. They're my conductor. They're, I, they're, the, they're the one to lead us. They believe it. They fundamentally believe they're, he, they're, he's the one to lead us. Or do you want to start talking about, look, we can talk about the conductor later on, but first we need to get back to the hymn sheet, the song sheet. What are we singing? What are we playing? Let's make it about the Constitution. Whatever it is you want to make it about, free speech, the Bill of Rights, that you have a right to be left alone, whether it's limited government, whatever you think that you need to talk about, great. Convention of states, term limits, less taxes, whatever it is, but start building a consensus. Because look around, just take, do, do, just do this experiment in your little circle. Just look at social media this weekend, just scroll through the timeline, and imagine you were the opposite of that person. And read the arguments, kind of go, would that, if you know, if you saw that meme or that post or that, I told you so, would that encourage you to change your mind? Heck, let's not even talk about changing minds right now. Let's just say, would it encourage you to bait you if you had the exact opposite opinion? We need to start building a consensus. And in America, that consensus, that Tim Sheet, has always been the Constitution. Now, let's start building it. Because here's the thing. If you're off the same hymn sheet, if you're off the same sheet, you 90% of your people can agree. DC violates the Constitution on a daily basis. Left, right, top, or bottom. When it comes to the Constitution in DC, if that's your hymn sheet, nobody has a right to lecture anyone. No one in D.C. or in the media has a right to talk about the Constitution and actually have any credibility because they violate it on a daily basis. They do. Read the Constitution. Whether it's it's Article 1 and Section 8, D.C. violates it. Whether it's Article 2, every day it's violated. Whether it's Republicans, Donald Trump, or Joe Biden as a Democrat, or Barack Obama, or George Bush, read Article 2 and then see what they do. It's the exact opposite. We can all unite among that. Make those the principles. But even to those you are saying right now, John, that'll never happen. We can't find any unity. We can't do it. They're totally different. Okay. Let me bring you right back to Martin Luther King. How do you think he would have felt if he said the exact same thing you did? Do you think he was always chipper? Do you think in his darkest moments he didn't kind of go, how can I explain to these people Like, literally, if you read some of his speeches, how frustrating it must have been to go, you literally see me as subhuman. You think in certain sections of society, it's okay to see a black man and lynch him and put him up on a crucifix and burn him. You literally see us as subhuman because of no other reason, but we have a darker pigmentation in our skin. Do you think he was always happy when he was going down south? Do you think he was always happy when he used to have to see the clan? Do you think he wanted to go, when at some point these people have to get it, right? Like at some point he had to go, these people are dumb. Like if you think it's okay to judge a person by the color of their skin, like this has to be the simplest argument ever. But oh, John, no, the left are totally different. The The left just don't get it. Martin Luther King probably said that about white people. You just don't get it. Or maybe just hit a white people who said, you know what, look, I, I, I'm not racist. I have nothing against you as a black man, but I ain't going to fight for you. Just, just, it's not my fight. Really? Why is it not your fight? When is ever a bad time to talk about freedom? And to those people who, you know, would appease, go, well, listen, I, I think, you know, you should have rights as black people, but today is not that day. You know, it's just not the right time. When is the right time? When is the right time to talk about those rights? You think he didn't have those frustrations? You think Martin Luther King didn't have every frustration you're dealing with right now? Do you think he had the same doubts you did? Yet he overcame it. How? By being persistent. By being peaceful. By being humble. But always talking about the future. To all you people right now, and this is again just for my friends on the right, who are like, you know, I told you Joe Biden was going to do that. I told you it was going to be crap. Do you think, how influential do you think Martin Luther King would have been if he did that? Told you that's what Whitey will do. In fact, he had people in his ear going, you know, you're all making all these great speeches. This is what Whitey does to you. You know, all the Malcolm X people, that's what he was doing. But did he listen? No. 
He kept going. He didn't talk about the future he had passed. He didn't point the finger and go, told you. He was always focused on the future. He was always focused on, this is the same hymn sheet. And his hymn sheet was the same as I'm talking to you about. It was the Constitution, the Declaration of Independence. He didn't talk badly about the Founding Fathers. He spoke about that they wrote a check and it's now time to cash it. How about we do the same thing? We talk, we forget all the politicians in DC, you forget all the media, we start talking amongst ourselves, not in bad ways, but in ways where, hey, it's about the Constitution, this is our song sheet, this is our hymn sheet, they're all the problem, it's all about us. This is what we can unite around. Or do we just give up? That choice is yours as well. me to my final point the final thing I want to talk to you about today the question I get all the time what do we have to do to find the next MLK the next Washington the next Churchill the next great leader this always frustrates me as an as someone who loves your country as someone who loves the idea of America because I get that temptation I get that temptation. It would be great if we just had a George Washington. It would be great if we had an MLK. It would be great if we had Gandhi. It would be great if we had another Mother Teresa. Whatever person in society that you admire. Another Churchill would be wonderful as well. These will be all great. But it frustrates me for two reasons. One. Those men, women, were great people. They did great things. But the understanding of why they were great, they are missing one key ingredient, and that's you. You see, people like MLK, if you had another MLK or whatever person you admire, think about it right now. George Washington, Winston Churchill, ever who it is that you admire, you're always missing the secret ingredient. You. And that what the reason you're that secret ingredient is. Because, yeah, someone who comes along and is a great leader and, you know, gives really great speeches. That's great. That's wonderful. But if they're not shared, if they're not talked about, if they're not embraced, what difference does it make? Again, why am I quoting Hillary Clinton today? She's in my head. It's just because Andrew Combe was in the news this week with his diabolical comments. Literally the 2021 version of, oh, what difference does it make? But honestly, what difference does it make? If someone's given a great speech and no one hears it, or no one likes it, what difference does it make? It's none to society. You can have the great orators. If they're not listened to, if they're not supported, nothing's going to change. Because the the fundamental changes that happens is with you. You see, the great speeches... And I say this as someone who's been told can give a really good speech. I can go to, you know, when I go do my speaking tour, please God, later this year or next year, whenever it is... I can go and give all these great speeches. And that's maybe a bit arrogant or presumptuous, but I've been told I'm a really good public speaker. I believe I can give a good message. I can give a good message. A good principled account of why America's exceptional. I can give a great presentation. But if those people are not touched by it, if those people don't, hey, I listened to this crazy Irish guy and he said these things, and then they start telling other people, not about me, but about what I'm saying. Because it isn't about the visionary or it isn't about the messenger. It's about the message. It's about the hymn sheets. The song sheets. That's what it's about. And start talking about it. It's always, it's great to have those leaders, but they need support. It, they're absolutely critical. Is you. But also, understanding of why your country was exceptional. The Declaration of Independence. How could George, or how could not George Washington, sorry. How could Thomas Jefferson write those words? We hold these truths to be self-evident. That is an incredibly bold, arrogant, and presumptuous statement. But how could he do it? Because they were. Because of the role of your founding. And the biggest role in your founding wasn't George Washington. In large part, it was the Pope's. That they were preaching these things week in and week out. And then people went home at the dinner table and discussed these principles for the week. Hey, the pastor or the reverend or the priest said this. Let's talk about it. 
Do you have a right to free speech? And then they would, because the king was so really, a really bad dude, really bad dude, really bad, bad, bad. He was a bad person. He was inflicting a lot of tyranny on the colonists. They would then hear about these stories and kind of go, see, that's why you have this right. That's why you have the natural right of innocent until proven guilty. Or you have a right to free speech or the freedom of association. And they would discuss these principles. So that when Thomas Jefferson came to say, write the Declaration of Independence, it wasn't because he was arrogant just writing it, hey, I didn't put any words in here, you know, we hold these truths to be self-evident, sure, no one's going to fact check me, baby. You know, I'm not going to get four Pinocchios for writing that. He wasn't worried about that. He was understood that these were principles that were discussed because the pilgrims got on the same hymn sheet, the Mayflower Compact, for an example. But their founders got on the same hymn sheet as well. The founders got on board where they had to sign the Declaration of Independence. We all either we all either stand together or we hang separately. They understood that. But also on a second reason I get frustrated when I see this. And again, I'm, I'm not frustrated at you because you're, oh, you're so stupid. Why would you ask such a stupid question? It's not that. No question is stupid, but just that understanding of the psyche. Because America is built on exactly the opposite principles that every other nation is built on. We're built on a collective. We're all seen as part of a class. We're all seen as, yo, you're this group of society. America is built on the individual, not the collective. America is built on individual rights. That you have an individual duty with God, an individual responsibility with God. That you as an individual are sovereign. You're not part of a class system. You're not part of a race. You're not part of a gender. You're an individual. Yeah, you may have same characteristics. I'm white, you're white. I'm straight, you're straight. That doesn't mean anything. I still have fundamental rights. The government can't come along and go, hey, no, all you white people, all you straight white people, you don't have these rights anymore. That's not the job of government. The job of government is to protect rights. But we're all individual because we're sovereign. And the great thing about the idea of America and that individualistic principle is it's also a biblical principle. It's a very simple thing. It's great wanting to look for the next George Washington or Martin Luther King or Winston Churchill, ever who was famous leader that you want. But the understanding of individualism and of biblical Christian values is a very simple principle. Anyone can be great because anyone can serve. You don't need anyone else to do things for you. If you're frustrated with society right now, you have the power to make it better. You mightn't be the next Winston Churchill where everyone knows you. Where everyone, oh, that, you know, that's, that's, the, that's the next Winston Churchill. They're great. But in your community you can be. In your church you can be. In your family you can be. You can be great there. But also, on top of that, because this is a very layered argument, is, and let me use someone like George Washington or Winston Churchill, a war general or Patton, or Eisenhower, ever who you really admire that fought in the military, that was, you know, a great military commander. Naturally, everyone always gives the praises to them. Everyone talks about Winston Churchill, and how brave he was. And he was brave. He was very courageous. You look at what he had to do, he, and, and the things he had to overcome, where he literally saw Nazism just coming and just taking over all of Europe and his country. And times were not always good. There was a lot of dark times in that war. But he remained resolute. He was the voice that England needed at that time. To stop Nazism. But as much as everyone focuses in on those. As much as everyone focuses in on George Washington and the revolution. Me included. Do you know what made those great generals great generals? Yes because of their principles. Yes because of their values. But because they were singing off the same hymn sheet. Winston Churchill can give all the great speeches. Hey, we will fight them on the beaches. But guess what? If he hasn't got young men literally willing to say, oh my God, absolutely, we're singing off the Himshi and I will act and I will storm the beaches of Normandy for you. Guess what? He's, you can get, Winston Churchill can give all the great speeches. We'll fight them on the beaches. But if he hasn't got people like you making the difference or you're storming the beaches for him, how creative a general is he? George Washington, a great general. He was absolutely critical in, in the revolution. We've spoken about this on many other shows. But why we all remember George Washington, how many of us know names of people who actually fought under him? 
who'd lost their lives, who made the ultimate sacrifice in, you know, some of those battles. And many people, you know, we all know Paul Revere, we all know Thomas Paine, we all know Thomas Jefferson, but what made them great was because of their actions, but also the people under them, because they inspired them. That's what we need to start doing. We need to start building people up. We need to start getting and focusing yet again, because I'm repeating the same thing. We need to get off the same song sheet. Whatever we can debate what that song sheet is. I may maybe you agree with me. Maybe you're in the camp of yeah, the Constitution, John, or the Declaration of Independence, or or what you call the idea of America. That's our hymn sheet. Great. Or if it's something else, okay. I'll, I I probably won't agree with you, but that's fine. But we need to fundamentally understand the principle. It's absolutely critical we get on the same hymn sheet. And the hymn sheet can't be, we're not them. That's not a hymn sheet. That's not an American hymn sheet. Think of how amazing your founding was. Would it be great if all they went, you know that king? We don't like that king. We just don't want to be ruled by him. How inspiring is that? Would that have changed the world? Would America be an exceptional nation if that's what they did? No. Because before they said, hey, we don't like you, king, because of these reasons. They made out these principles. Life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. God-given rights. The role of government. Those fundamental principles in the Declaration of Independence. It's absolutely critical that we look for the next Martin Luther King. I'm not saying it's not. Or the next George Washington, ever who it is. But don't ever rule out your impact. You can change the world. I don't know what your role is. But you can change the world because anyone can be great because anyone can serve. That is a fundamental biblical principle. You don't need anyone else. If you are a Christian, you understand the role of Jesus. What's the most important commandment? Love God, love one another. What else? That's it. They're the most important. You ask me the most important. Love God, love one another. But Jesus, you, you don't mean that Democrat down the road who voted for Joe Biden. Oh, no, there isn't. Oh, yeah, that's right. There's an asterisk there. You know, yeah, love God, love one another, but apart from the Joe Biden supporter, that's totally fine. No, love God, love one another, which means serve. That is what you're to do. You're to serve other people. Choose the people you serve, but that is how you change the world. But also on a deeper level, I don't know who's listening to this, what your talents are. But maybe you have the potential to be the next George Washington. You know one of the great things about the leaders, George Washington, Martin Luther King, General Patton, Churchill. Churchill to a lesser extent because, you know, he, he was different. But one of the things they all have in common is they didn't want, you know, they weren't, Churchill wasn't going around, I, I'm going to be the next George Washington. He was just him. You see, we don't need, as much as we need the characteristics of George Washington, we need the next George Washington, but to be so indifferent. We don't need to do repeats. You know, we don't need to do a sitcom where we, we all know how this all plays out. Where we, you know, I know your line, you know my line, and we watch it, and it's a repeat. Because we've seen it five times, ten times before. We need something new. We need the next Martin Luther King. We need the characteristics, but we need them to be different. I don't know what their name is. But we need to stop looking, kind of going, where are they? Because the understanding of America is you don't need a leader. You don't need the conductor. A conductor will be great to rally behind. But you're the person who makes the conductor great. You're the person who makes the war general great. You're the person who makes Martin Luther King a great orator. Because you're touched by his words and then you share them. But one of the things we need to understand. That all these men and women had things in common. And one of the things we need to start looking around that in society and understanding is there's something that is absolutely critical. And one of those words is honor and how you act and how you treat people. We need to understand because there's been an attack on this for about 20 years, maybe longer. Actually, no, it's longer. It's since Bill Clinton was president. The character does not matter it does character is absolutely critical to who you are oh sure he you know he was doing things he probably shouldn't and yeah yeah he probably cheated on his wife but you know hillary she probably does it look at hillary you know you see all these comments and you say well look he was a great president look at what he did does character matters 
we don't dismiss it. We don't get influenced by it, but it matters. It's part of the debate. You've seen this over the last four years as well. Oh, well, what would you rather someone be nice? If the, cho- if the choice is between nice and not nice, and that's but the principles are the same, then you, I don't care. It's not as big of a deal. But why is it always just excluded as if it doesn't matter? Character matters. Principles matter. If you have to give me someone who's a jerk and this is constitutional and a nice guy like Mitt Romney who's, you know, squeaky clean, quote unquote, and doesn't believe in the constitution, sure, I'm going to say the guy who's a jerk. But I'm not going to defend the jerk. I'm not going to go, oh, well, he's a jerk, but that's who he is. I'm going to say, no, you shouldn't be a jerk. Because character matters. But what you started to see is the reason I want to talk about this is the reason you've seen this dismissal of character. What has been the impact of that? What has happened? People who are young and impressionable have all of a sudden seen that it's okay to be, you know, character doesn't matter. Once I have my principles the right way. Hey, once I voted for Donald Trump and the Republican Party, I'm clean, baby. Likewise, my friends on the left. Hey, once I voted for Joe Biden because Trump, orange man, bad. And I vote for the Democratic Party. I'm good, right? No, character matters. How you treat people matters. Because I want to finish up with three stories that have happened in the last couple of weeks that all have a common theme of why character matters. It starts at the top. How you treat people. But understanding of how you treat people has it filters down, it trickles down. The Lincoln Project. These accusations are going back to 2004. Does character matter? It's easy for my friends on the right to throw the Lincoln Project under the bus. Well, that's that's just you know those never Trumpers. They're just oh, they're all they're all, they're always just a, that's just who they are. No, sexual assault and inappropriate behavior does not belong to a political side or a political ideology. It is not a political problem. It is a human problem. And when you tell people character doesn't matter, eventually it will get to that point or some other point. You've seen the similar accusations. Now, at two great organizations, that one of them I've been connected with, I've done work with them at a, on a local level in colleges, Young Americans for Liberty, and the other one this week was Turning Point. Character matters. How you treat women is absolutely critical. They are to be respected. I don't care who you are. This all boils down to a set of rights. If you send your son or daughter away to get involved in an organization, do they have certain rights? Do they have certain, you know, hey, you have a right to be treated with respect. And if something goes wrong, you have a right to be listened to. Not believed, but listened to. Or does it get brushed under the rug if they have the right political affiliation? We're starting to see the impacts in society of people for the last 25 years saying character does not matter. It only matters if you act or on the right political side. How many times have we seen it? You know, with our friends on the left. You know, they've been accused. They've actually been, some of them have been convicted. There was a, a senator from New Jersey who was convicted for, I can't remember exactly what it was. It was insider trading or some type, something like that. He still served. I can't remember his name. But it doesn't matter. No, well, he's a Democrat. Ted Kennedy. Look at what he did. Chappaquiddick. Doesn't matter. He's the line of the Senate. If you vote the right way, we'll excuse anything. And it happens on the right just as much. Does character matter? Because if you don't think it does, it's great to say, oh, well, they vote the right way. You know, that's just the consequence of doing business. That eventually trickles down to it affects your son or daughter. And imagine your son or daughter coming back with some of those accusations. Would you defend it going, well, like let's say you were never Trumper and you came, this story came out about the Lincoln Project and then your son came to you and said, I, that, that was, I also had that experience. Would you kind of go, well, the Lincoln Project, look, we got, they just, they served their purpose. We had to get rid of Trump. Trump was orange man bad. And look, that's just the price of business, son. Or would you be absolutely outraged? And even if you share every opinion with the Lincoln Project, which is, by the way, the most stupidly and horrifically historically bad name project Lincoln's name should not be attached to people like them but would you rather would you or would you turn up and say you're bad we're going to get justice for what you did to my son and want to rip their head off or would you just say ah, it's just a task to do in business character matters we need to start having conversations 
And when I say we, I want to be crystal clear who I mean. I mean you with your family. What do you want to start for? What is your sanctuary? And then start discussing that with your friends, your neighbors, your community, your online friends, ever who it is. What matters? And don't make it about left or right, about principles. Because I think if you actually just discuss principles, you'll find a lot of unity, even with your friends on the left, if you break them down. But the minute you attach tribes to it, or my, my, the minute you attach political parties or political people, guess what happens? It doesn't matter if we agree. We go back to our own tribe. Hey, I'm Donald Trump. I'm a Republican. I'm Joe Biden. I'm a Democrat. I'm, I'm or whatever tribe it is. I'm AOC. It doesn't matter if we agree. We just go back to our tribes. Is that working out well? Or do you need to start talking about getting on the same hymn sheet and start building a consensus? And understanding that if you want to solve America's problems, that's what you need to do. There will be times to debate who the conductor is in 2024. In 2024. It's now 2021. How about we get on the same hymn sheet? Or at least try. Because here's where I, this is it simple. And I'm going to lay this as simply as I can and it's going to be blunt. You have two choices. You can continue on this path that you're on. And who is happy? Who's happy with the path you're on? Who's like, you know what, the path we're on, yeah, we lost the 2020 election, but it's right where we need to be. That's ex This is the type of country we want, where we literally hate uh, someone else. Yes, we're a Christian nation, and, and God saves us, and, yeah, and we, you know, we're told to love everyone, but you know, we hate them. They're different to us. Who's, who's happy with this path? Who's happy with literally seeing someone who has, dares have a different opinion to you as the enemy? Is that the path you want? Imagine what that path would be like in 10 years, in 5 years, in 20 years. Look at how much you've changed since 2016. Look how much you've changed since 2008. This is what you need to understand. And by the way, to those who are literally listening to this show and went, John, this, this analogy of the conductor, of, you know, getting off the same hymn sheet, this is not relevant to what you're talking about. I would remind you of one powerful quote from Michelle Obama. And Barack knows we need to change our traditions, our values, and our history. What was that saying? We need to change our song sheets. Barack knows that. That is what you've seen. Oh, and by the way, in case people are going, well, that's 2008, John. Get over Barack Obama. That's two presidents ago. It's now Joe Biden. You know what that, that song sheet is? It's not 1620. It's 1619. They are changing the hymn sheet. They are changing the song sheet. What are you going to do? How are you going to respond? Do you want to get back in your tribes? Or do you want to start building consensus? Because here's the truth about America as an outsider. America is a wonderful country. It is an exceptional country. It is an idea I love and I promote with every fiber of my being. But America isn't perfect. America is not a perfect nation. You have some really dark days. Korematsu. Japanese internment camps, Dred Scott, Plessy versus Ferguson, these are all Supreme Court rulings. You look at what you've done, segregation with Woodrow Wilson. That All these things, there's lots of bad days in your history. The Battle of Wounded Knee, bad day. What do you want to do? You need to start talking about your real history and say, look, yes, we have good and yes, we have bad. Our history is incomplete without good and bad. But let's start talking about principles. Let's start unifying on principles. The Bill of Rights, the Constitution, the Declaration of Independence, or something else. But it's time to stop getting this anger and let's stop poking everyone in the shoulder and start actually trying to build a consensus. You have a chance. If you do this, you have a chance of survival. If you don't and you just continue on this path, what's your country going to be like in four years? You hate each other now. What's it going to be like in 2024 when someone goes against Joe Biden for president? What happens then? Do you think that will be a nice warm election and ever who loses will accept it? Or do you think there's going to be questions? Start building the world you want to live in. Because don't ever forget, and I'll finish up with this principle. It's the same principle I finish every show with. America is great because Americans are good. You're the secret sauce. What are you going to do? The impact you make is huge. Never, ever underestimate that. 
Until next Saturday at 12 noon Eastern, we salute your police, your firefighters, your emergency personnel, and your vets. And lastly, I salute you, the American people. Just as I said, America is great because Americans are good. You're the secret sauce. Not Joe Biden, not Donald Trump, not the Republicans or Democrats, but you and how you act. Have a beautiful and blessed week. Freedom versus freebies. This is Freedom's Disciple with Jonathan Dunn. On the Blaze Radio Network.